The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org thrive. Welcome to the Miracle of Healing, where we come together every week to discuss and discover a roadmap to healing. I'm your host, Lisa Campion, and I hope you can join us since the world needs all the healing it can get. And we are healing the planet one person at a time right here on Mind, Body, Spirit, FM. Hi there, I'm Lisa Campion, and this is the Miracle of Healing. We have such a beautiful conversation today, and I'm so glad that you're all here listening. So if you're new to the show, I really want to welcome you. This is such an important conversation to have. And if you've been traveling along the journey with us for a while, welcome back. Now, today we're going to talk about, is it possible to find happiness after a loss? Is it actually something we can do to have love and and love again and live in our own way through um, the grief process? Unfortunately, um, it seems like we can. So we have a beautiful conversation today with Emily Thoreau Threat, and she is going to offer us guidance and a path forward if you're in a grieving process, which has got some really tangible steps we can take um, if you're finding yourself dealing with loss. So she's written a, a couple of books, one called uh, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief, a beautiful book called The Grief and Happiness Handbook. And some cards you can use, the grief and happiness cards. And she's put all of this together in an incredibly beautiful nonprofit um, called the Grief, grief and Happiness Alliance, which is there to support people who are in the grieving process. So such beautiful work and welcome to the show today, Emily. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So tell us a little bit about how you, obviously you've had some loss in your life that you came, came to do this, this process. Can you share a little bit about what your journey has been? I spent most of my career teaching writing at the university level. So writing is just something I, I do. And I had uh, two husbands die. Jacques died after 21 years of marriage. And he was he was just great. And he was very involved in death and dying, ironically, mm-hmm. uh, as a mm-hmm. professor at the college that taught the class for all the nurses to take to learn how to deal with death and dying. And we talked about it a lot, but when he died, it, it was a challenge. It, it was difficult mm-hmm. for me. I thought that I was all prepared and could handle it. And I just uh, had a hard time. And then I never dreamed that I would even go out again, let alone get married. That just was, I had a good husband and I was, I didn't feel like I was unmarried just because he died. But mm-hmm. I met Ron. And Ron and I ended up being together for 10 years. And he he was trying to get me to marry him for a while, but it took me four years before I said yes, just, <laughs> just because of that feeling of I'm, I'm not sure if this is what I'm supposed to be doing. But I'm, I'm very glad I did marry him. And I learned a lot from him that has helped me this time. And 
he uh, died after the 10 years and we had moved to Maui, Hawaii just two years before he died because he had lived here a long time before I knew him. And we'd come here several times um, on our honeymoon and then to, to visit the friends that he ran into when he came over here. It was amazing. We'd just go down the street and he'd know somebody and it had been years since he'd been here. So um, he, he knew that his health was declining and this is where he wanted to be. So we came and we were together here for two years, uh, lots of hospital trips and um, lots of caring and things that happened. And when he died, it was it was different than it was when, when Jacques died. They both died of the same thing, ironically. I had no idea that the second one was going to have the same thing that the first one did, um, but mm. he did. And I found myself uh, not quite sure what to do because I didn't know that many people. We hadn't met that many people except for doctors since we'd been on the island and and my neighbors who, who were all great. And we became Ohana, or family, as they say in Hawaii. And I just, I didn't know what to do. So I started writing because writing was just my thing. And I wasn't writing for anybody else to, to write I just, or to read. I was just writing to help me through it. And it was really helping me. So I thought this would be a good way to meet people. So I put a, a note on Meetup and said, if you'd like to learn how to write that'll, in a way that'll help you through your grief, come on over to my house. And they did. <laughs> I had a whole new set of friends just suddenly like that. And it, it was really great. We did very well with that. Then a few months after uh, Ron died, a very dear friend of his on the mainland it just dropped dead. And uh, his family it was neighbors for us when we were there. And I was very concerned about his wife because he was much younger. And I knew that having her husband die was the last thing that she thought about. And I was concerned about her. And since I couldn't be there, uh, I, I wanted to do something. So I decided to write her a card every week for 52 weeks for a year. And I, before I started, I thought I better write down those 52 things to make sure I've got enough to talk about. <laughs> so I did. And once I wrote them down, I thought this is an outline for a book. So that's where my two books came from. Mm -hmm. And where the cards came from, because I, I just recently, she, she kept saying, you got to publish these. They helped me so much. So we finally got it. Uh, mm -hmm. I found a way to, to publish it. And I did. And I, I love how they That's turned so beautiful. out. Yeah, so beautiful. And I'm, I'm a writer too, an author. I've written five books in the past five years. Mm. So I'm kind of on a roll. And I also find a lot of solace through writing, processing, journaling, all that, all those things. So let's talk about that for a minute. How does writing help us process grief? One of the things that we do when grieving as when we're dealing with really any situation, <clears throat> excuse me, in our lives is it, we have a story in our head about whatever it is. And mm. when you have that story, it, it can get your way in your way of anything else. Um, Jacques had heart surgery suddenly that we didn't anticipate. And it was quite a week from when he first started having symptoms and when he got out of ICU and, and things started uh, coming back to life, really. And people would ask me, well, what happened? Because nobody knew that he was sick because we didn't know he was sick. 
And I would tell them the whole story about what happened every day through that process of that week. And I found that the more I told the story, the shorter the story got, because I was working my way through it. And finally, I got to the point where I said, well, um, Jacques had a, a crisis with his heart, and he needed heart surgery, and he had it, and he's doing much better now. And that that was, <laughs> considering the other story was probably a half an hour long, it felt really good to work through that. And I remembered that after Ron died, and so I started writing like my story about what happened. And then as I wrote it, I would discover different things that I was feeling or experiencing that I needed to work on. So I'd start writing about that. I would write asking for support just to the universe. And that, that helped. And the more different ways I found to write like that, the more it helped me. And that, that was what was helping the other people. When I, I first had the meetup group, I scheduled it for once a month. And after the first month, they said, we need to come more often. <laughs> so we started mm. meeting every other week because uh, mm, they, they got so much out of it. So it sounds like it helps maybe express ourselves, um, have an opportunity to process our feelings, to process what happened, maybe connect us with our spiritual, you know, source, however, whatever that is for us, you know, um, it's, it's, I love it so much. Thank you for, for sharing that. I think it's great. And what's so interesting to me about your work and very different is how you weave in these concept of happiness and love into the grieving process. And that's not something we often see together. I've, I've done a lot of interviews with uh, people who've written books on grief in the past five years that I've been doing this podcast. And um, a lot, a, a, this is the first one that I've, I've, I've seen where the idea that we can find happiness or be happy while we're grieving um, has come up. And I, I just think it's so powerful. And, and, and also like, how does that work? It's not what we typically, typically think can happen when we're grieving, right? That's right. That as, as human beings, we're not meant to be in deep sorrow forever. That's just not right. how we're, we're made. And I found a book by Marcy Shimoff called Happy for No Reason. And when I read that, mm. I thought, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's not that I'm not being happy because he died. I'm being happy because I'm here and I have a life and there are things that I can do. And so I, I thought I was thinking that something was missing with just doing the writing and, and talking about things related to grief. And I was at the point it was a couple of years after Ron had died by that point that I, I wanted my life to open back up and not be just confined to grief because it tends to be that way when you, you first deal with the loss is everything's about the grief. And when I started thinking about Marcy's book, I thought happiness is what's missing. So mm. I decided that what I wanted to do was incorporate happiness into what I did and wasn't sure exactly how to do that. So I invited uh, a lot of people that I knew from actually all around the country to come with me and do a pilot program on grief and happiness and see what we could do with that. And, and all of them at the beginning were going, those two words don't go together. <laughs> and by the time we were finished, I said, okay, now what do you think? And they said, you need to do this. You need to focus on, on grief and happiness yeah. because we had, 
in the writing that we were doing and the things that we experienced in working together in the group, they could all see the value of it. So I started my podcast, which is called Grief and Happiness. And it's, it's actually very popular. And when people come to be on my show, they always question me about, are you sure, you know, is it really grief mm-hmm. and happiness? And I said, well, you're going to find out as we talk about it. And they're usually smiling by the end. And we, I also wanted to start a, a group that was instead of just a writing group, uh, we called it the Grief and Happiness Alliance. And we have a gathering every week on Zoom. And at the gathering, every week I give them something different to talk about. The meetings are only an hour long. And I I give them something to write about. And they write for about 10 minutes. And then we break into small groups. So everybody gets to tell their story and Mm -hmm. do that in about 15 minutes. And then at, at the end, we come together and talk about it a little bit and then learn a happiness practice for that week. And it's it's been going very well. The the people really like it. The one of the people in that pilot group said on the, our last meeting together, she said, "This is an idea whose time has come." And I never forgot her saying that. And I'm I'm very happy to do that. So that's that's where my two books came from. Each of them has 26 chapters because. <laughs> Putting all 52 of the cards into one chapter would have been too long. So the, the subjects are the subjects of the card for each of those chapters. Mm-hmm. And it's much expanded from what was just written on the card. And it's, it's been wonderful. I've had, people are, are very grateful for the support they get from it. I think that's really nice. And I, I would imagine that people feel guilty feeling feeling happy when they're in the grieving process or feel like somehow it's not honoring their person that's passed and maybe we need permission you know that your work is sort of giving people permission to find moments of happiness even while that feeling happy doesn't negate our grief process or negate our person that's gone yeah you think that's That's exactly right yes they they do because I know I kind of felt that way, but after Jacques died, I, my first husband who died, I was just kind of sitting with myself. You know, I'd go to work and come home and sit, and I wasn't mm-hmm. doing anything because I couldn't figure out how. I didn't have anybody to talk to to give me permission or to say it's okay to take yourself out to dinner or leave your house or, or whatever it was. And there was nobody there to do that. And I think that the community that we've developed with grief and happiness has really helped people be able to um, start moving forward in their life again. It sounds beautiful. I want to talk a little bit about the grieving process and the process of mourning, but um, because I was thinking about like, Queen Victoria, like, you know, would put on black and wear black forever. You know, the old Italian grannies would never take their black off. But um, before we get into that conversation, let's take a real quick break. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today 
at eomega.org slash thrive. We are back here with Emily Thoreau-Threat talking about the Grief and Happiness Handbook, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief, her two amazing books, her Grief and Happiness Cards, and her work with the Grief and Happiness Alliance. So let's talk a little bit about this process of mourning. And I've just been really kind of interested in like how historically how we mourn changes, how we grieve changes. And it's um, I don't know, it evolves really. Like there used to be like, like I think about Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and the seven stages of grief and, you know, or, or back in the day when it was like, you never were allowed to come out of grief, you know, or you could, you would mourn for a year and then you could take off your black clothes and come out of, you know, um, and, and wear bright colors again. And, and what, what's sort of the latest information that you're working with around how we grieve? Well, Part of the reason why I started doing what I'm doing is because people seem to be ignoring their grief and had all kinds of problems coming from that because we're expected to just move on. I I know I had one person who said that they'd only been able to be off work for a couple of days when one of their parents died and because they didn't have any bereavement leave where that person worked. Yeah, compassionate leave. Yeah, there's right? nothing like that. And so the this person came back to work and was at her desk and uh she just got emotional. Just she was just sitting there, she was doing her work, but she it just grief hits her. And those of us who grieve know that sometimes that just happens. And her boss yeah. came over and he said, Aren't you over that yet? And it had been a couple of days, just a few days. Oh, God. And I think we get treated that way a lot in the working place because in, when you work and you work for a boss in, in some way, they, they want all of you for whatever it is you're doing for them while you're there. And I think that right. that whole thing in our society has gotten it so that people don't take the time to grieve, don't take time to take care of themselves. And that just ends up with having problems build up that they don't express. Yeah, we're we're not very good as a culture, I think, with grieving. Like you, you get a Hallmark card mm-hmm. for somebody, you send flowers, you bring a casserole or two, you know. And after a couple of weeks or months, I don't know. I feel like there's sort of a six week time limit in in our culture, and then you're like, mm, well, that's done, you know. Even if it was your child or your partner that or your parent that died, you know, and that's not doesn't match what is going on inside of us at all. No, not at all. That that happens so much. I know um, when Jacques died, we we were very active in our community. It was a big community, and we knew lots of people for lots of different reasons for all the different things that we did. And while he was sick initially. We had people all the time, either coming to the hospital or coming to the house or bringing flowers or sending cards or everything. But he was sick for two years. And the longer he got away from his initial diagnosis, the fewer people came around. Till about the the last of those two years, I was pretty much by myself. And I think that was one of the reasons I had such a hard time when he died was because all my support system had disappeared before he died. Yeah. I think we get, we get so uncomfortable. We feel so uncomfortable with other people's grief, mm-hmm. you know, and so we turn away, mm-hmm. you know, or we sort of do our duty and then we get like, oh, I don't really want to 
think about that. And I know you talk in your book about what do we, what maybe some tips or ideas of what we can say to people who are grieving and what we shouldn't say. So what are those things? What are some guidelines there? What you hear most of the time now is somebody will say, I'm sorry for your loss. And Mm -hmm. most people who are grieving don't really like that because it's like saying, have a nice day. You know, I I remember when that became uh, a thing and it it seemed like it started with uh, grocery store uh, cashiers where when you, you'd come up, they'd always say, have a nice day. And at first it said, this is really cool. Everybody wants everybody to have something positive. And then it got to the point that it was like just not saying anything and not particularly helpful. And so people have started saying, I'm sorry for your loss. And it's like, okay, number one, I don't feel like mm-hmm. I lost anything. And a lot of people who are grieving feel that way. So that, that kind of takes the meaning away from that. Um, statement, but it's not helpful. It, it doesn't do anything for you. And when you want to say something to someone who's grieving, my my first thing that I suggest is to say something positive about who died, and right. call them by name. Don't don't shy away yeah. from their name. Call them by name and say it like with Jacques had a beautiful singing voice, and. People would say to me, I loved Jacques' voice. And anytime I saw he was performing any place, I always made sure to be there because I just loved that. And he was always so positive and happy and laughing and he made me feel good. And can you imagine how that would feel compared to somebody saying, I'm sorry for your loss? <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm sorry for your loss. It's just like a platitude, really, that's lost meaning, you mm-hmm. know, and I, I do think you're right about the name. It's sort of like we avoid that or we you know, don't want to bring, bring that up. And I think it's kinder to sort of hold, hold space. Like it's that person isn't, it's not like they've evaporated out of the universe, Mm -hmm. right? They're still present in the way, all the ways that they are. Yes, that, that's it. Um, Cause it, it just, there's, is something about that, that it's, it's important to remember and that that's one of the things I say to write about is is write those memories down, write what brought you joy, write uh, things that are positive about what happened and and focus on those things. And you can also write about the things that weren't so positive. I know with with Ron's process, there were some pretty bad things that happened concerning doctors and hospitals and things not done correctly. And I could have dwelled on that forever had I chosen to, but I realized that that wouldn't serve me. And so I did all I felt I needed to do to deal with it. And then I just released it because it wasn't helping me to carry that around. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, um, that's such a good reminder. And you talk in your book about self-care and how that's like a real strong theme, always putting yourself first and really, really minding your self-care. And I, I know for me, if I go into kind of emergency mode, like that's the first thing I drop, mm-hmm. right? We we tend to drop that. So w- why is it so important to stick with our self-care and how can we remember to do it when we're in emergency mode? It's it's very important to just pay attention to your body. Like with me, I'll mm-hmm. have a problem. My blood pressure will go up. 
when when I don't deal with things as they're going along. And if I see that, I go, okay, I got to pay attention to this because this isn't helping me for my blood pressure to be up. When you notice anything that's that's happening, are you like you can't sleep? If you have problems sleeping, which is very common, you need to deal with it. If you ignore it, it doesn't mm-hmm. just go away. It's it's very important to care for yourself, and it's important to do things like bathe. Like go to bed at night and get up in the morning, unless you've got a shift you're working that has other hours. Um, eat and eat properly. Eat in a way that will serve you. That uh, some people eat way too much and gain a ton of weight, and other people forget to eat and lose a lot of weight, and both mm-hmm. cause health problems that just exacerbate the things that you're experiencing that that you don't need. And these are just simple things that we normally just do without thinking about. But Mm -hmm. if you realize they're not happening, like if you haven't changed your clothes for a week, it's time to take a bath and shower and change your clothes. Right. It's like depression. Mm -hmm. When we get into that kind of deep depression, we forget that stuff. And it seems like Falling back on self-care, and I have to remind myself this a lot, When, especially if things go into emergency mode, we drop all that. But I think it's so important to recover. We put ourselves first, we do self-care, and then maybe we feel better and better, and we can bring in some more of that happiness. And what what about saying yes? That's something you talk a lot about, is the power of, of the yes in the grief. It's really important. And as is saying no, I don't really talk about that in my writing, but both of those things are important to realize when to do them and when not to. As I said, after Jacques died, I sat around a lot and he died in February. And when New Year's came, I thought, I I just can't go on like this. There's got to be something Mm -hmm. I can do for myself. And I didn't want to write a bunch of New Year's resolutions because I'd done that in the past and usually forgot them after a couple of weeks, like most of us do. So I thought, what can I do? So I decided to set one intention for the year and focus on that. And then I figured as as I felt like I'd accomplished that, that I could set one more instead of overwhelming myself with all these things to do. And what came to me was to accept invitations, to say yes, when someone invited me to do something. And when that came to me, I thought about it for a while because I said, you know, nobody's inviting me to do anything. So I'm not quite sure <laughs> why this, this is coming through so strong that I, it felt so strong that I decided to do it. And as soon as I did, invitations started to come and they weren't what I would have thought invitations would be like somebody asking me out for coffee or Uh, that sort of thing. They were very interesting things. And I had incredible experiences. It it started when the uh, newspaper contacted me and asked me to be on their editorial board for a year long position. And I'd never thought about doing something like that before, but I had written an editorial for them on a, a subject they were very interested in during that year. And they remembered that. And so they asked me, and that was an incredible experience. And there were, there were so many more. I got invited to go to South Africa with some friends, which I did. And I never would have thought of going to South Africa. And I'm so glad I did. Um, I, it was just, I I got invited to create a film festival for the community by the County Film Commission. And I did that. Mm -hmm. So in, in each one of them was totally different than the other ones. Each one of them 
was things I hadn't done before. And there were a whole bunch more. I could, I could tell you a big long list, but just to see the diversity of the things that were happening. And the more I did that, the more different people I was seeing. And I wasn't being looked at as I seemed to be by my friend as the, the widow. And all of a sudden I was a person and a person that could be invited to, to go out for coffee and talk about something other than grief. And it sounds it, like a little divine intervention there. Oh, right? absolutely. <laughs> I, I really believe that 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 was exactly what I needed. And by saying yes, I was able to uh, open up and get out of the the muddled mind that I was dealing with that just kept turning to loss instead of to happiness. I love that. That's so great. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Emily and your short and thank you for sharing your story in all the ways that you do with everyone. I'm super I feel so much gratitude for the work you're doing for the world. I think it's so lovely and so important. Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it because I, I keep thinking if I can tell one person something that's going to help them through their next step as they're grieving, yeah. that that'll lead them to more steps so that they can feel better all the time. And how can people find your work or become part of your alliance? Uh, the books are available uh, and the cards are available on Amazon. And our website for the alliance is griefandhappiness.com. So that's, that's easy to remember. And on there, mm -hmm. you can see where you can make reservations to come to the meetings. And the meetings are our gatherings, we call them. The gatherings are at no cost. We, that's what the nonprofit does is make sure that it's paid for so people don't have to, to pay to deal with their grief. I love that. And you can, you can go on there and uh, make a reservation. We'll send you the Zoom link so that you can join us at the meetings. Great. And then Wonderful. I also have a, a website that's loving and living your way through grief. And on, on that one, I do a weekly blog and you can get lots of support by reading the blog and listen to the podcast, Grief and Happiness, again. <laughs> so there's, there's lots of different ways that I can help you. Good. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for being with us, here with us today. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. And thanks all of you for tuning in and listening um, to this incredible, joyful, meaningful conversation. If you want to find out more about me, you can find me on my website, lisacampion.com. I specialize in helping psychics, healers, and empaths fully step into their gifts because I think the world needs all the healers it can get. Hope you stop by and visit me. And thanks so much for being with us today right here on the Miracle of Healing, where we are healing the planet one person at a time on mindbodyspirit.fm. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.